I'm going to call the executive committee meeting to order. Welcome everyone this evening. Happy New Year. The first item on our agenda is the consideration of minutes of the December 15th meeting of the executive committee. Is there a motion to approve the minutes? Moved by Young, second by Schmidt. <laughs> um, all those, um, is there, are there corrections or um, amendments or additions to the minutes? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it and the minutes are approved. The first order of business and the main, uh, the, probably the thing that will take the longest on our agenda this evening is a presentation by our innovation intern, Jarrett um, Jones. And as you remember, when back in the summer, we decided on some topics for our innovation interns who had not yet been chosen um, to consider, and this topic, um, implications of an aging population for Dane County programs and services, was chosen by this committee back then. Since then, we had um, we um, received applications for the innovation interns, and we had um, a lot of great candidates, um, and Jarrett Jones was selected for one of the internships. And Jarrett will graduate this spring with a Ph.D. in sociology from UW-Madison. He's got a master's from the La Follette School of Public Affairs. And we've been really fortunate to have his, um, not only his talents, but his good humor and is an enjoyable uh, man to be around. So we've um, been fortunate to have him help us in the office and to work on this topic. So I'm going to let you take it over, Jarrett, and um, present your findings. Um, let me turn on the microphone. That would help. Oh, okay. Um, so thank you for that introduction, Chair Corrigan. Um, before I begin um, this presentation, I want to formally acknowledge county and state staff who were helpful in this research endeavor, particularly Cheryl Batterman at the Area Agency on Aging, um, Eric Grousseau at the Department of Health Services, um, you, your colleagues, um, uh, well, Olivia Perry in the planning offices, Todd Violante back there, um, and Aaron Curbs, as well as your colleagues, Supervisors Bill Clausius, Sheila Stubbs, uh, Nikki Jones, and finally the county board um, staff, Lisa McKinnon, Karen um, Tharlow, um, Colleen Clark, and Lauren Cool. So I could not have completed this work without their help and support. And to you guys, thank you for this opportunity. In general, it's been a great opportunity for me, and I appreciate that. All right. So today I'm here to talk about that an important trend that is occurring throughout the United States and Dane County as well. We are experiencing both we experience a rapid increase in both the number and the proportion of older people which have important civic, economic, and social consequences. The aging of the baby boomers as well as, the, the increase, as well as increased longevity is responsible for this expansion in the older population. The positive news is that baby boomers are living longer than people roughly 20 years older. Also, that, also they're better educated than previous generations and they want to remain active and engaged in their communities for as long as possible. But on the other hand, baby boomers are more likely to have a disability as they near late life. Um, they're more likely to have probably to work longer because of financial need or unexpected changes in the retirement savings. And they're more likely to probably rely on paid caregivers, on paid caregivers because of small family sizes or because they are living further distances away from their families. So in light of this changing social and economic context, it's important for policymakers to consider, um, to consider a new paradigm in providing these services for the future generation of seniors. To give you a roadmap of, my, of this presentation, I will start by providing a demographic portrait of how the age structure of the population is expected to change over time and how these changes provide both opportunities and challenges for policy making and planning ahead. 
I also want to highlight that Dane County already provides a vast number of services um, um, for older residents, but given the given the aging of the population and the strain on county resources, we must strengthen collaboration between the public and private sectors to enhance the well-being of Dane County seniors. This is critically important because there will be an increased demand for special housing, transportation, and health care aimed at these older residents. Um, and finally, I also pay particular attention to rural areas given that they tend to be disproportionately populated by rural seniors and these areas can be more isolated, which poses a greater challenge in providing services for this population. So if you have any questions, you guys can ask as I go through. Okay, this is the graphs. So this figure, figure one, shows the, um, the proportion of the population 60 and older as a share of the uh, total population. On the horizontal axis, we have the year, and on the vertical axis, we have the actual percentage. So, as, um, so between 2016, Dane County and Wisconsin at large will experience considerable growth in the older population. In 2040, in 2040, the population aged 60 and older is projected to be about 153,000, almost double its estimated population in 2010. Currently, the population aged 60 and older represents about 15% of the population, but approximately 25% in 2040. To give you guys a better sense of how these trends play out in your communities, the next figure that I'll um, show shows the proportion of the population 60, how the proportion of the population 60 and over varies by your supervisory districts. And we have a legend at the top which shows that the lightest, the lightest, um, the shade of brown has the smallest percentage of the population aged 60 and older, and the darkest shade of brown has the greatest proportion of the population 60 and older. Given that supervising districts, given that supervisory districts are political boundaries rather than census geographies, I can only give you estimates at the census tract level. So we see that the largest proportion of the population 60 and older is, um, is, uh, is, in, is in the area of the town of Dunn and the town of Pleasant, um, Pleasant Springs. We can also see that in the Madison area, which is populated by young families and students, has um, a small proportion of, of, of the population 60 and over. Similarly, this next figure shows the proportion of the population over um, the age of 65 and over by your supervisory districts. We can see again that the large portion are in the southeastern area of the county in the town of Dunn and around the village of Wanakee. So, I wanted to put into context the population growth for ages for the population 60 and older and for the total population. And so I have broken this down by Dane County, Wisconsin, and, and in the United States. And what we can see is that Dane County has larger population growth in terms of the total population and the population 60 and older compared to Wisconsin as a whole and in the United States. So between 1970 and 2014, there has been a 194% increase in the um, population 60 and older in comparison to 87% for, for our state as a whole and 125% for the United States. This figure shows the projected age group's population within the population ages 60 and older. The important takeaway from this figure is that at the, old, the, old, at the oldest ages, so 80 through 89 and 90 and older, the, the population is increasing 
faster than at the youngest ages. So the oldest old are growing. Are the oldest old is the fastest growing group within this, um, within the 60 and older population. So this, this, this next figure presents the racial and ethnic composition of the population. It is important to examine a race and ethnicity given that it plays a powerful role in shaping life opportunities over the life course. So although Wisconsin's population is becoming more racially and ethnically diverse, this concentration, this, um, this diversity is still concentrated among the youngest age groups. So in, two, and so in 2014, about 95% of the um, people ages 65 and older were non-Hispanic white, as you can see from the figure, from the blue figure. But this compares with 71% of children under the age of 18. So this is an important fact because that we must pay attention to because it suggests that this diversity gap could increase intergenerational conflict over public resources between a mostly white older population eligible for Social Security and Medicare benefits and a younger racially ethnically diverse population entering the workforce. The next figure shows um, the gender share by single year of age in Dane County. So we have at the bottom, or the horizontal axis, we have the ages 1 to 101, and then on the horizontal axis is the proportion of the population for the, for the specific gender. So the important takeaway from this graph is that, I hope that you see, is that the gender gap widens with age. So like elsewhere, Dane County's older population reflects a gender gap within each age group, since gener women generally outlive men. And this, and this is despite the fact that mortality is declining for men over the past decade. So the oldest, um, so the, and, what you, and what I also want you to see is that the older the, older the group, the lower the sex ratio. So if we compare males to females. So marital status. Marital status is important because that has an, an impact on people's economic and emotional well-being. So among other flat and then among other factors, it influences living arrangements and the availability of caregivers for older adults when, they, when there's an illness or when there's a disability. So in 2015, so this chart shows marital status of the population by um, ages 65 and older by sex in Dane County. And so what we can see is that in 2015, older men were much more likely than older women to be married. Widowhood was more common among older women. And so 71% of men aged 65 and older were married in comparison to just 48% of women. One reason for this gender imbalance is that the older population living alone is that men are more likely to than, men are more likely to, than women to remarry after widowhood or divorce. So, and also, the greater likelihood of, for men is at least part related to the great availability of partners for men than women. To the living arrangements. So um, the living arrangements of the older in population is related to their income, their health status, and the, again, the availability of caregivers. So 55% of older adults live with family and a small 3% lived in non-family households. About 40, what's important from this graph is that about 42% of older adults in Dane County lived alone, 42%. Um, older, and this is important because older adults who live alone lack um, another household member to help them bathe, cook, um, eat and provide care when they become ill or injured. Um, older and also older women who live alone, particularly women, are more like have lower levels have lower levels of income and they're more likely to live in poverty. And so the future increase of older adults who live alone may result in an increased demand for home health care and community-based social services. 
To examine how these trends play out spatially, the next map shows the percentage of the total households with single person age 65 and older. And so at, on a whole, 10%, 10 10.4% of households in Wisconsin are single persons age 65 or older. And we can see that, go ahead. Those are the, the dark green areas are where there's where there's the largest proportion of the population. Yes. That's where the, that's part of me. Um, the dark green areas are indicate that's where they're the largest proportion of total households um, who are single who are single people, 65 and older. Okay. That's good. <laughs> um, and so again, so but I get I will I. This chart is to illustrate that these households face a number of challenges with their well-being. And so many are likely to have limited financial resources to draw on upon to meet their household costs and other basic needs. And additionally, if they are homeowners, homeowners the responsibility of upkeep can become a burden. And, and, and as we know, if there's a decline in your mental and physical health, that may um, lead to a need for outside, outside help in performing these day-to-day -day activities. And also what I want to mention is that in 2015, about 75% of households aged 65 and older owned their own homes, compared to 25% who were renters. However, more than a quarter of older adults of older homeowners spent 30% of their monthly um, household income on housing expenses, expenses, which is typically typically considered to be a housing burden, a housing housing cost burden. And so additionally, 17% of all cost burden, very low income households in Dane County were were elderly households. So spending 30% of your more of your monthly income on housing leaves older homeowners with less money for food, transportation, and your other daily necessities. And so, and, and finally, even more importantly, that's going to have an even more important impact on your health and your well-being. So, the next map shows the percent of the 65 and older population with a, um, with a bachelor's degree or higher between two, 2008 and 2012. The legend shows the ranges and the percent of, from, for the percent of the population. So, we can see that as was 19% of What's about 19% of Wisconsin? 19% of Wisconsin has um, bachelor's degrees for people 65 and older. And so, education is a, you know, education is a key population characteristic because we know that it confers access to these different uh, access to wealth generating opportunities, um, and it confers which shape your well being over the life course. We can see that the outlying areas have the smallest proportion of the older population with a bachelor's degree or higher. And while the areas surrounding Madison, including Fitchburg, Middleton, and Westport, has the highest proportion of the population with a bachelor's degree or higher. The next map I wanted to show you is the percent of aggregate income by the various income sources. Can anybody tell me, because I'm tired of talking now already, what's the takeaway from this? What do you see? That's a sad way to put it. <laughs> okay, but the point that, um, for this map is that we can see that obviously that people ages 20 to 64 derive a large proportion of their income from earnings, given that they are actively involved are in the labor force, right? Um, uh, on the other hand, the largest portion of aggregate income was derived from Social Security from, a, from individuals ages 65 and older. 
And I should say that typically uh, um, at this age, people 65 and older, one-third of their source of income comes from, from Social Security, at least nationally. So you would expect Wisconsin to mirror these trends. And so I want to also show um, the percent of the projected population ages 60 and older um, as a, um, on a statewide level. And so you know where Dane is at. So in 2015, um, as, in 2015 about um, between 17 and 20 percent of the population was ages 16 and older. But so this is 2020, and as you can see, as time goes on, the proportions are getting larger. Okay, so. So in summation, the current growth in the population age 65 and older is an unprecedented, unprecedented demographic phenomenon, right, which have important social, economic, and health implications as well. And so the recent changes in marriage and family structure patterns may exacerbate these challenges by reducing the availability of family caregivers for, for, the, for, family caregivers for older relatives. Even more, the Department of Health and Human Services estimates that 70% of people who reach 65 will need some type of long-term care in their later years, 70%. So policymakers can improve the overall supports of elders by reconsidering, by reconsidering traditional notions of senior services. So what I want to talk about now is services that we already have available at the county. Okay. And oh, this final figure, sorry, this final figure shows population ages 60 and 8, the growth rate. And so we can see that the statewide growth is 36%, and we can see that in Dane County, we're larger than at about 45% in the growth rate from 2010 to 2020. So the aging services. So there are two primary entities that are charged with providing services for um, aging, um, aging folks. And so the area, the Aging and Disability Resource Center, Resource um, Centers, and the Area Agency on Aging. So the Aging and Disability Resource Center are the first place, are the first place to go to get accurate, unbiased information rela for everything related to aging and for aging and, 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 and disability, right? And ADRC, work with local residents from across the socioeconomic spectrum, providing information on a broad, ways, a broad range of programs and services, helping people understand their long-term care planning options. And so the major goal is, the major, the major goal of the ADRC is to help people, to, um, to prevent people from as long as possible from going on to um, publicly funded programs and to help maintain their independence. And I should say that 88 ARDCs are located within all 72 counties, and, um, a and it has been recognized, our ARDCs has been recognized by the Department of Aging as a model for other states to follow. So the Area Agency on Aging, however, serves as the primary entity for creating um, a coordinated system of these community, um, co a coordinated system of these community-based services for older adults. Um, and I should note to end it to, to show to illustrate the vastness of their services, it has an annual budget of exceeding of exceeding 4.7 million dollars every year. So. Um, the area so some of the services that we provide is alcohol and other drug services, case management, chronic disease, um, self-managed care, cultural diversity programs, grandparents and other relatives as parents, caregiver programs, senior nutrition programs, transportation services, RSVP, Dane County, volunteer programs to, for older adults. And I want to highlight too that um, that case management is pretty unique also because am I right that we're the only county? We're the only county to provide case management, which is where, um, which assesses the needs of clients, which assesses the needs of clients, and, and evaluating, 
um, in, in, in order to evaluate the services that they, that, that they need. In um, case management, um, these services are in 15 focal points throughout the, throughout the county. And they conduct home visits to assess. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so now I want to talk about nutrition. I want to talk about nutrition and transportation, which is two areas that I think that um, two areas that I think that we can improve on, which we're already doing well though. So, so um, nutrition programs. Um, we have we have we we have home delivered meals, and we have 27 locations where um, older adults can go to senior um, can go to senior dining sites or restaurants to um, to receive um, one third of the recommended daily allowance, right? For of nutrition for for seniors, and as uh, meals are provided um, on a donation on a donated basis. And everyone is invited to participate regardless of their ability to contribute. And so, um, some of the challenges with nutrition programs. So, the congregate nutrition programs are available in um, in the um, the congregate nutrition services programs. Are, um, pardon me. One of the trends that's growing that's growing throughout the country, and I would say that Wisconsin is on a front uh, is on the um, well, Dane County is on the front edge of is providing um, restaurants, which which tends to remove some of the stigma from uh, from um, tends to remove some of the stigma than t attending in an institutional setting like a senior like a senior center, right? And um, and one of the one of the one of some of the challenges is that this uh, one of the hopes is that this will make them, this will help seniors feel more valued, and um, and and it will make them feel like they're just in another restaurant sort of facility, right? And and it and also dining in an area where there's mixed age mixed age groups of people. Um, and so, but despite the availability of nutrition programs for low income adults. Many seniors do not participate, and this has been indicated by some of our consumer. This has been indicated by some of our consumer surveys that has been done, and so one of the one of the major issues is transportation from tra transportation from rural areas. Um, as also some of the challenges is the stigma related to receiving charity for um, um, for these services, and. And, and, and in addition, older adults from different cultural backgrounds often feel that meals offered at nutrition sites do not meet their needs or taste. And another challenge is that many of these nutrition programs, as I stated, operate out of the senior sites, and many younger older adults don't see themselves as senior enough to attend um, to attend the um, to attend the senior centers. So what many so what's um, what's been done throughout um, what's being done throughout um, the country in certain areas is that to remove some of the stigma of attending senior settings uh, centers, they're calling them senior friendship center to equate that you're going to be having social relationships with people, um, a congregate meal program, um, something that doesn't equate too much of an institutional image people believe will attract a larger base of the population to attend these sites. Also, what do I want to mention? Also, I want to mention that so we're in the process of, of now um, working with Culver's, right, to establish so that seniors, because one of the challenges is transportation, and Culver's are more likely to be in rural areas. So we're in the process, hopefully, of working with Culver's to be able to give 
seniors the ability to attend Culver's based on our dietary restrictions though so they can go to Culver's and receive these services. So transportation as I was mentioning. So so the, so the um, senior conditions of frailty, poverty, lack of family can affect for the transportation options of uh, that people have. So according to demographic data, nearly 40% of the country's rural population lacks public transportation. This is especially controversial because the decline in infrastructure of many small towns and distances between residents and services not only contribute to isolation of the senior population, but complicates the, the delivery um, option services to their homes, to their homes. And so right now we have RSVP of Dane County and we have other we have other transportation services, but like, such as the retired and, um, RSVP driver escort service. But one volunteer program that is one volunteer driving program that is growing is called it's the trip model. This has been replicated in a few counties in um, California, Riverside, California. So it's the transportation reimbursement and information program. And so it was the outcome of partnerships between an independent living partnership and a local area agency on aging. And so the the assumption, the major assumption, so what the, what the trip program is, is that it so normally there that normally for people to um, receive transportation, they have to go through a, a local area on agency. But in this case, but in this case, the the senior recruits their own volunteer. They recruit their own volunteer who they have, and at the end of and at the end of the month, they receive a monthly reimbursement check for the for the um, transportation for for the places that they went. So the so the so um, um, so the idea is that if seniors recruit their own drivers, they will feel empowered. Uh, if they have something to offer friends and neighbors to, in exchange for rides, they'll feel more comfortable in asking for these rides. If if they feel that they can be reimbursed for their travel, friends they will be more. Um, for, if, if they can be more reimbursed for their travel, friends and neighbors will be more likely to provide these rides. Um, and and on the and, and for us, if. Riders and drivers schedule their own rides. It will eliminate the need for staffing and infrastructure. So I want to talk about a few innovative. Pro I want to talk about a few innovative programs that um, that has been recognized by the National Area Agency on Aging. And so, so loneliness can be a serious problem for older adults. And when, especially when they are far from family or they're in uh, or, or, or not in a close-knit community. So one study showed that out of uh, from surveying a population of 1,600 older adults, 43% report 43% report that they feel lonely on a regular basis, even though only 18% lived alone. So this is important to us because loneliness can have can, uh, important can have important consequences for an individual's health and well-being. Also, um, even more, lonely, lonely adults had a mortality rate that was twice as high as their obese peer, peers, while another, another study found that uh, isolated adults over 52 had a mortality rate 26 per higher, 26% higher than their more social counterparts. So to address these issues, um, the Windsor Place, which is a long-term company in Coffee in Kansas, has worked with the local school local school board to develop an intergeneration to develop intergenerational programs, age to age kindergarten. Um, these these programs provide Windsor Place nursing home residents with me meaningful interactions with school age children every day. So um, it opened in 2008. Um, the kindergarten class operates right in the middle of the nursing home. And so it's partnering children with elders who they call grandmas and grandpas. Also, um, what's important to take away from this is that cross-sector cross partnerships are key. That's the importance to take away. 
um, the public school system worked with the nursing home and the local area on agency to to um, to provide this service. And so also what we know too is that as you age, household chores like household chores like yard work, shoveling the snow, mowing the lawns become difficult. And so um, and older adults may may need help with technology as um, technology. And so um, in York County, Pennsylvania, they created a program that's called Rent-A-Kid. You may not like the name, but you get the um, you get the point. And so it's run entirely. It's run entirely by volunteers. Um, the program matches the program matches older adults with um, with with students, and it's been going on for uh, over 30 years now at this point. And um, um, you have to have your parents' permission. You have to have your guidance counselor permission to participate in these different programs. Um, And then I want to say that what we know from my research, from my research, so the traditional aging services network cannot adequately meet, cannot adequately, adequately meet the growing needs of this population. So existing revenue is either too small um, or, um, or unreliable over, for, for the, over the long term. And so how I see that other people are, other entities are doing it. It's they're considered aging is everyone's business. Aging is everyone's business. And um, which means that it offer, offers many opportunities for um, the area agency on aging to um, to engage with for profit companies to create these entities. And so so for example, so the idea is for us to help cultivate entre this entrepreneurial spirit along with successful private um, and public partnerships to lessen to lessen the um, financial stress on the county government. And so, an example of this is that um, the a Virgin, in Virginia, a business and an area agency on aging created an upscale thrift shop. And with so it has minimal staff and volunteers, and the um, and, and it's so currently it generates over a hundred thousand per year in profits, which they use to help subsidize assisted living for low income adults. And I think these are strategies that we need to be pursuing in the future. So, so in summary, the rise of the aging population provides both opportunities and challenge, but it will require collaboration across multiple domains to address these challenges. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jared. Um, I imagine there are questions for you. So, um, Supervisor. Cheryl. I'll go to Cheryl. Back there. Oh. <laughs> Remember my dad calling me and asking me why he couldn't get the TV station to change, and he was using a cell phone, mm. and I had to go over there and kind of point out the difference. And I, um, I'm not exactly super high tech myself, mm -hmm. and <laughs> so um, one, so two questions: um, Do you see, and as we age, that the that technology can come? and be used to um, provide services. I'm thinking, for example, like online grocery shopping, where you can, you, can log, you can go in and log on and order your groceries, and they can be delivered. So are there some, like, do you see mm -hmm. advances in technology to reduce um, that? And also, do you think that the generation that we're in, that I'm in now, um, is more comfortable with technology, so we'd be more willing to use technology? Right. So there, obviously, there's, to your last question, there's going to be a generational divide because baby boomers are, are, will, are used to using technology in their, in their work lives. And so you would expect that, uh, you expect that at the age they will continue to use that technology. But then also I know that there, too, is that there's, um, they are using technology to help seniors. Like there is a mobile market in Hartford, Pennsylvania, where they can do exactly what you just said, where, um, where you where they can order groceries online and 
um, they part the local area agency on aging um, on aging has partnered with the local grocery store and and they can have the um, they can have those groceries delivered to their homes. Nikki. I think the thing that seems that could be the easiest to do would be the idea of Rent-A-Kid. It seems like it might be the least expensive, potentially. Yeah. Well, okay, so what I do know, um, speaking with Cheryl, is that, uh, so Madison West High School had something similar, a program that was similar, but bec um, but it's not, it's it's not available right now. So what I would say is that we need to formally institutionalize these programs in a better way that they'll last over time. They'll last even when there's like a, not a teacher available or a guidance counselor available to uh, um, to help with the program because that's really the major problem. And then I had a question about the um, age to age kindergarten, which I also think sounds incredibly exciting. In the area that I live in, a lot of people, moms and dads, both work. And in the summertime, there are plenty of people that are talking to their neighbors about trying to find care for their children. Is there such a thing uh, currently in Dane County of a senior center kindergarten partnership? Or, And in your research, how difficult is that to uh, start up? That would seem like that would be many different avenues to have to go through. Well, I think what made it feasible here was that it was a nursing home. Uh-huh. And the, the, like I said, it was, the, it was the, the nursing home had a willingness to to um, work with the, the public school system, and I think that's the reason why it worked, is because if, if there is no conversation between these two different ent entities, then it's not feasible. How, how would you how would you go about doing something at your senior or nursing home or senior center for after school care or something along those like how how does that even get started um, I would have to I'll have to I'm talk to you I'm I'll sorry. Have to, I'll talk to you Nikki about this sure <laughs> oh sure we could turn the lights back on thanks. Um, I think Supervisor Stubbs has okay. weighed in next, and then. Oh, go ahead. First of all, thank you very much for your presentation, Jerry. My question is very uh, simple. One of your slides talked about seniors living alone, and I'm wondering in that particular slide, was it were you able to gather if these seniors that lived alone were in like their own apartments, or were these nursing home figures in no. here? When you say alone, what this does is, that mean? That is, this is people, and this is non-institutionalized. This is the non-institutionalized people, so they're living in they're either their home or apartments, right? Okay, so they could be a senior housing. Yeah, yeah, it could be okay. senior housing. Thank you. Jerry. Thanks. Um, I really enjoyed your presentation. I found it very informative. I especially liked the charts and slides because that really uh, popped me. It uh, really showed the changes that have happened and the changes that are coming. Is it possible to access hard copy of that somewhere, even online? I think it's, is it attached to our, <laughs> it, it will be it, attached and, and Jared's also um, just Well, it isn't in there right now. I just looked. Yeah, it, no. it, it will be okay. in the minutes. All right. And well, then there will also be a paper written. Because it's fantastic information. Thank you very much. Thanks, Supervisor. Lisa. Lisa, did you have a comment? Or? Yeah. I, what I found interesting about some of your maps outlining the social and geographic distribution of vulnerabilities that are projected is that it has a direct connection to what we're seeing in terms of projections for climate change impacts in both Dane County and Wisconsin in terms of increased numbers of heat events, um, like high-level heat waves, increased numbers of heavy flooding events and we ha already have um, we have uh, research from earlier heat waves in Chicago that showed very different outcomes in terms of mortality and morbidity in neighborhoods where there was a support structure um, regardless of 
uh, economic situation and racial and ethnic background, if there was a support structure in place, um, there were better outcomes. And so thinking ahead to the numbers, the increasing percentages of seniors who appear to be trying to, to stay at home, in many cases living alone, this is going to be a consideration from a climate perspective that we're going to need to think about in the future. That's a good point. Are there further questions or comments? Vicki? I was just going to add that our current Surgeon General, this is one of his hot topics, is isolation. In your research, was there uh, anything, since the aging population is more tech savvy, was there anything that you discovered to help people stay connected um, as far as Skype or, mm -hmm. or um, kids uh, pen palling okay. older adults, that sort of thing? Well, um, well, I know that originally one of the thoughts that I had was that uh, I was reading this article um, in, the, in the New York Times and uh, in, European, in a European country, they actually have a call center where they where older adults can call in and it's all synonymous where they can call in and have somebody to talk to 24 hours a day, right? Um, and and I was thinking that we can do that at the county level, but there is a national, but there is a national network that um, that older seniors can call in and have somebody to talk to anytime. Hmm. Okay, I didn't know about that. Thank you. Further questions or comments? Well, Jared is going to be putting, compiling this and having it attached with the minutes. And then also for the executive committee and anyone else who's interested, there'll be um, a report that he um, writes up with all of this information in it. So we really appreciate the work you've done on Thank this. Thank you. If anybody has questions, thinking after this, make sure you get a hold of Jared if you've got further questions that you think of afterwards. Thanks a lot. Thank you. To move on to the rest of our agenda, um, first, the first resolution on our agenda is the legislative agenda, and um, they, we realized at one point um, as we were looking at it that there wasn't um, an item on climate change, so that's why it's back on the agenda, even though it's on the agenda tonight. So um, I think Supervisor Schmidt has a motion on this. Yeah, um, I'd like to move sub two uh, to Res 150 for approval by executive. Is there a second to Supervisor Schmidt's motion? Seconded by Supervisor Jones. D um, Supervisor Schmidt, do you want to explain what? The well, I, I think basically um, the uh, the issue is when this uh, when we first reviewed this, um, uh, we somehow just simply missed the fact that um, having some direct. Um, uh, being able to support legislation that addresses um, or uh, relates to climate change is probably an important thing considering um, all the resource, uh, research that's showing that it's going to have an impact um, on us in the future. So it just should be included here for that purpose. Terrific. Are there questions or comments on sub two? Supervisor Baird? Sorry, can you show us sure, what the language um, is? Where, where are we? It's in um, sub two. If you yeah. click on sub two, it's um, let me find what line it is. Pardon? Make sure. Oh wait. And on the and so number fifty-eight, adding that language on climate change. Are there further questions or comments? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and the um, change is approved. Next on our agenda is Resolution 407, expressing solidarity with opposition to the Dakota Access Pipeline construction. Is there a motion on Resolution 407? Moved by Bollig. Is there a second? Seconded by Baird. Is there discussion? 
Um, I just want to mention there's two resolutions on the agenda on this issue. Um, this is one I had had um, in the pipeline, so to speak, <laughs> and then there, there was another request too shortly thereafter. So, um, but one thing I had talked to Supervisor Matano about the two resolutions and um, trying to make sure that they covered everything that needed to be covered. And one um, item, there was just an additional bit of information that was in the second resolution that I thought should probably be added to um, resolution 407. So um, I, I think Lisa has, where, do you, are you showing it up on the, okay. What I wanted to do was, um, I wish I had the, I think I have the resolution. Um, it's there's at line 34 in the resolution in resolution 407 I, at the after the language that's there I wanted to just add Dane County has been a leader in preserving and protecting the burial sites of this region's indigenous people and in partnership with the Ho-Chunk Nation completed a countywide inventory of burial sites in 1992. So I'd like to move that we amend it with that. Is there a second? Second by Supervisor Schmidt. Um, is there discussion on that amendment? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and the amendment is adopted. Um, on Resolution 407 as amended, is there discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and Resolution 407 is adopted. Resolution 441. Supporting WEDC Community Development Investment Grant for Hoff Mall Expansion Project in Mount Horeb. We have one registrant, um, um, Craig Ensroth. And um, I think you would like to speak in support. Um, so if you're welcome to come up here. Uh, good evening. I'm uh, Craig Ensroth from the Glena Companies. Here representing Hoff Associates of Monhor, which will be the owner of the property. Uh, this is a redevelopment of an infill site that's underutilized currently. Uh, it's, it's part of the entire redevelopment and revitalization of the downtown Monhor area. Uh, Monhor commissioned a, the Monhor Area Economical Development Committee to research how other communities in the area have revitalized their downtowns. And one of the key components that they kept coming back with when it was successful is to have housing available. So they approached us with uh, doing a housing development. We have owned the Hoff Mall building, the current Hoff Mall building on uh, Main Street since 1986. We did the historic preservation on that. We've operated it ever since. Our corporate office is located there. Immediately behind that, as you'll see on, in the handouts, is the site that we're looking to uh, construct a 30-unit apartment building. Um, it, we feel this is definitely a catalyst for that revitalization. Uh, you, I'm sure you've heard in the news recently about uh, Duluth Trading coming to Mount Horb. This will be within a block of their new corporate office facility. But the cost and the amount of revenue that you can generate, there's a gap. Uh, and there is TIF funding that the village of Mount Horb has designated for this. They created a TIF area for the downtown revitalization. So this is just another piece in making this a viable project. So we request your support. Um, the village of Mount Horb is fully committed to this project. You can see that in... Uh, exhibits A, A1 and A and uh, C7, I believe A7. Uh, they are they're they're kind of tied in that there was two projects that came in for economic uh, for the CDI grants at the same time. A municipality can only have one per year. Uh, this, the other one is a food emporium that is going to be on 2nd Street in Mount Horb, and that's a nonprofit uh, community kitchen. That was in before us, 
and therefore that's when the village uh, asked the request uh, from Pat Downing to support this and bring it to the county. I'm available for any questions. If you'd like a full presentation, I certainly have some boards along, and I can uh, offer that up as well. Thank you, Mr. Enzoroth. Are there any questions? Okay. Okay, in general. And I was going to ask if Supervisor Downing wanted to make any comments because this is because this is his resolution, and then we can take maybe further questions. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Uh, Craig covered about everything I wanted to say. Most importantly is that um, Mount Horeb uh, has two projects that they think will really uh, help their development, and um, and they feel both projects uh, may be eligible for this Wisconsin uh, Economic Development Corporation money, but they can only sponsor one, so they've asked us to sponsor the other. Um, I did some research uh, just to be sure that the community was behind it. They've had public hearings, and I can tell you that there's overwhelming support throughout the community, including uh, the nearby neighbors. So I would encourage you to uh, – it's a no-cost proposition for us. We simply say, yes, we'd like to help Mount Horeb create a better uh, place. So okay. please support it. If you'd stay up here for a moment, because there may be some questions for you. Supervisor Baird? Thank you. Yeah, so I, I, you answered one of my two questions, I think, by answering uh, your sentence at the end. This is not a fiscal issue. This isn't $250,000 from us. Right. Okay. It, got it. And then just a question of, and I have a limited knowledge of uh, uh, WEDC, which sometimes limited knowledge is more dangerous than no knowledge at all. Um, is there an affordable housing aspect to these 42 properties? That would be a better question for Mr. Ensenroth, I believe. Okay. That's my understanding is usually to get REDEC money, there has to have an affordable housing piece to it. Or the, it's there, recommended. Sure, there, there is no requirement for affordable housing. It, what they're required to do is for revitalization of a downtown area. That's, that's the focus. It has to have a commercial component with it, mm -hmm. which we do with the Hoff Mall has 12,000 square feet of commercial component to it. So will there be affordable housing out of these 42 apartment units? They're non slated, but it, it's market rate housing. Okay, thank you. <coughs> Are there further questions? Seeing none on resolution four. Oh, sorry, Supervisor Stubbs. Can you share with us what market rate would be for cost of these apartments? The, the market rate in Mount Horb is $1.31 a square foot. So to, to give you an equation, it's $7.50 to $9.20 is the, the total range of all the units between the 42 different units. There's different square footages, a lot of different available units. But the average is $1.31. Are there further questions? Seeing none, on Resolution 441, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and Resolution 441 is approved. Resolution 446, so this is the second resolution on Standing Rock. Is there a motion? Seeing no motion, we will move on to Resolution 448. Resolution 448, in support and inclusion of all, um, all the Dane County community. Is there a motion on Resolution 448? Moved by Supervisor Schmidt, seconded by Supervisor Baird. Is there discussion on Resolution 448? Supervisor Jones. I had a question about a few words, if, if you don't mind. I don't mind. I um, wanted to know if in the title, in support and inclusion of all the Dane County community, um, would it read better to say in support of the inclusion of all Dane County community? I think the primary sponsor is here behind you, so I'm going to call on her, Supervisor Ritt. Um, um, I'm open to that. I have just a few more. Uh, and then in addition to that, um, I, I have to say I really I really like this and I like I like everything about it. I have just a few additions and one would be where it says on line nine, 
ideas of inclusion, celebration of diversity, and mutual respect and responsibility toward one another? So adding respect and on what? line nine yes. before mutual. Yes, I'm also fine with that. I'm going to have these all put into one motion after you go through that, but okay. And then just a few more. Um, the line 12 where it says, we welcome the refugee. I, um, that word seems uh, potentially political. Um, and while I understand the intention and, and I do welcome the refugee, I was almost wondering if it would be better to say either displaced or would we say we welcome the displaced comma refugee. So it's a an addition of so you want to add the word displaced, displaced. prior to refugee. Mm -hmm. Is there a I mean, she's putting all of these together into one motion and then we'll discuss the motion. So and then the last one would be to remove and love and make it mutual respect and support. Okay, so Supervisor Jones's motion is, what was, I missed the first one. Um, in support of the inclusion. On what line are we on? On the, that's the title. Oh, in support. We can't, we, it's very difficult to change a title. Then, okay. Uh, and then it was mutual respect and responsibility, on line, line nine. nine. Mutual respect and responsibility on line nine. And then the next one was on line 12. And then I was going to say displaced either in place of refugee or in addition to so we displaced refugee. Displaced refugee on line 12. And then at the bottom you want to say respect and support and strike love. And lo yeah, strike and love. Okay. And on, on those, I think you've explained them. So why don't we have discussion on that motion? Supervise, Supervisor Baird. So just to clarify, we're not changing the, the title. No. Okay. So I just had a, I'm not a huge fan of the idea of adding an adjective before the word refugee, only because it then creates categories of refugee. And I don't want to really create categories of refugee. What about not having the word refugee and just I need a better understanding of why you're not a fan of the word of the refugee, because um, I'm not, because I'm I not think getting that it. there are people that are living in the United States that are displaced, and there are people that are refugees, in my mind, refugees are coming from outside the United States, and I want to be inclusive of people who are currently here and people who might be coming over our borders. So there are refugees that are here, so many people are displaced. I'm not sure how the word refugee doesn't apply to refugees that have come to America already, refugees that may come to America in the future, um, are refugees. Because I think that there are people that feel that they're not a refugee, that they're a citizen or a, a person living in the United States, but they're just, they're a displaced person because now maybe they wouldn't have that ability to stay here. I mean, I guess it's semantics, and we're probably saying a similar thing. But so I think so I'm too. Just, I'm hesitant. There will now be on record an amendment of of removing the word refugee, and I don't want to remove the word refugee. Perhaps if it wasn't there, but I think that's a little bit of a statement to remove that word. Further discussion, Not Supervisor Schmidt. So you could use the displaced not as an adjective of refugee, but as a category of itself. So the displaced, comma, the refugee, comma, the outcast. Okay. And then that would resolve the situation. So you're proposing to, to change the amendment, which you seem to be accepting, to put a comma after yeah. displaced. Okay. Further discussion on the amendment. So there's line 12 and then... Nine, 9 and then line 12. Um, I'm sorry, line 17. 17. So respect and support, because while we face great challenges as a community, we face them together. Does that? Discussion on line 17. 
Supervisor Ritt as the sponsor of this? Um, I, a point of clarification on the refugee displaced, would it be the refugee comma the displaced comma? So it would be the in front of the noun? The, okay, the I wanted that clarified, yes. that it, they'd all be thes. Yes. Okay. Further discussion on striking the word love in the last line. Anyone? Okay, so the motion is to restate what we're voting on. Is mutual on line nine? Why don't you, since you've got it written, so. So, uh, mutual respect and responsibility toward one another. Uh, line 12 would be we welcome the displaced, the refugee, the outcast. And then line 17 would be stand together in mutual respect and support because while we face great challenges as a community. On that motion, is there any further discussion? All the Supervisor Young. Uh, the original sponsor, uh, we discussed the addition, but the subtraction, do you have any issue with that? So would you be okay with either version? Supervisor Red. With which version? With the all three of those? Changes? Yeah. I'm completely fine with those changes. That's good. Okay. Further discussion? All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and the amendment is approved. On resolution 448 as amended, is there discussion? All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and resolution 448 is approved. Um, is there a motion? There's no further business. Are there any, is there any public comment on any items um, not on the agenda? Seeing none, um, is there a motion to adjourn? Moved by Bollig, seconded by Jones. All those in favor say aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and we are adjourned. <laughs>